to welcome all of our listeners to the sixth episode of Minority Report with Eric and Carell. Each episode, we talk with real operators and leaders in digital media to learn about their lived experiences. So today, many of you listening may know Heather. She works at the Rubicon Project. She's a respected leader in our space. Let's jump in and get to know Heather. Heather, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. I'm super excited to be here. Uh, joking with with Eric earlier today that uh, once you guys uh, started this uh, podcast, which I think is an incredible idea and um, really, really great for uh, I think everyone in the industry to hear. Um, you know, I, I was waiting for your phone call and I was on the subway and I was literally about to go underground and lose cell signal and I saw Eric calling me and I was like, this is it. Shit, it's my hour. He's calling me to be on the show. I'm so stoked. Um, but no, in seriousness, uh, I, I'm super excited to be here and, um, you know, feel really flattered to be on the show. Well, well, you should know that when uh, when Eric and I were planning out the show, uh, we came up with a name, a list of about 40 or 50 people or so and you you were definitely on the list so oh good <laughs> number number one I'm sure. well we're we're, we're glad you're here to tell us uh, about yourself so start off maybe with uh, what you're currently doing you know um what, what are you doing professionally right now and tell us a little bit about what, what you've got going on with your job yeah so i am the senior vice president of accounts at uh rubicon project so i see uh, oversee all of our publisher account management uh, business for North America. So there are about 28 people on my team uh, from LA, San Francisco, New York City, and really the goal of my team is to give the best in class service to our clients and really act as consultants. So, you know, one of my favorite things when I used to be on the pub side was tinkering with the stack and figuring out how do you maximize revenue, uh, you know, how do you meet your company's goals. So it's really exciting to me to be on the vendor side and, and partner tech side and work with not just you know, one publisher when I was on the pub side, but work with many different publishers who have many different business models and, and really help them achieve their goals and take our expertise on, you know, header bidding and DFP and index and Google Ad Exchange and, and really how to uh, put all the different pieces together to, to make it work. Excellent. Um, tell us about your background. Where did you grow up? Tell us more about Heather, you know, growing up and where, where you come from. I grew up in the super exciting small town in Western Mass called uh, Williamstown, Massachusetts. Uh, some people might know Williams College is there. It's a small liberal arts school. Um, so grew up there. I'm the youngest of three, uh, three girls. I have two older sisters, and we used to joke with my dad growing up, uh, all of our animals were female. <laughs> we, uh, you know, obviously had uh, people who kind of uh, helped take care of me growing up, who were, you know, women who would cart me around. Uh, both my parents worked to like ballet lessons or violin lessons. Uh, so my dad was definitely outnumbered by by women in the household. And uh, yeah, from that small town, you know, very small, not super, super diverse town. Uh, I ended up going to a small liberal arts uh, college, Union College in Schenectady, New York, not too far from my hometown and also not a, a super diverse uh college experience. So when I moved to New York in 2011, it was super exciting to be in a huge city where there is a lot of diversity. And, uh, you know, it's been a really great experience. I've been here ever since. Uh, it was a little daunting when I first moved here, but uh, it, it's been great uh, to to really kind of broaden my 
my uh, horizons, if you will. Where uh, where are you currently living now, and uh, what's what's going on? You know, sort of there when you leave work. So uh, I live in Brooklyn uh, right now. Have been there ever since I I moved to New York. So never never lived in Manhattan. Uh, I live there with my husband, and uh, I have a one and a half year old son. Uh, so yeah, that's what I do after work. Spend a lot of time. Uh, so you're super busy at home too. Yes, I yes, gotcha. very, very, very busy. <laughs> have a lot, lot of uh, things to manage. But my husband is uh, incredible, and it's a lot about teamwork. Uh, that's how. I know we're going to talk a little bit about work-life balance at some point, but uh, it's incredibly important to have a really supportive uh, person uh, in your life to help you kind of get it all done. Yeah, totally, totally agree. Um, so, Heather, talk a little bit about how you got into digital. Sure. So. I really started out, I, I went to a liberal arts college and I thought I, I was a history major and I was like, hmm, what am I going to do with this? I should go to law school. Uh, yep, I'm, I'm not going to be a doctor, so I'll be a lawyer, right? Uh, I, I wasn't really sure what I wanted to do. So I moved to Boston with my oldest sister and I started working at a social security disability law firm riveting it was amazing <laughs> yeah. if anything will turn you off from from you know the law and it, it just really wasn't for me and I ended up falling into this startup opportunity is a company called uh, bus radio and I worked there for about four years it ultimately was not successful but it that's how I got into advertising in general it wasn't necessarily just focused on digital but from there, uh, after that, I was able to get other jobs in the digital advertising space. And since then, I, I kind of fell in love with digital. And obviously, we all spend a lot of time online, and that's where things were heading. Um, so I was excited to, to be part of that. And I would say probably around um, 2009, 2010, I started really uh, focusing on digital. I worked at a company called Tech Target, had a lot of, uh, a lot of B2B websites, but I worked on their uh, business to consumer uh, product tech review sites and you know, worked as a product marketing manager with the sales team and helped them to help them to you know, put attractive digital packages together to sell to their big advertisers. And uh, after that, uh, I ended up moving to Virginia for a short period of time, and I worked at a company called Snagajob. And that's really where my passion started to come to life in the digital space. Um, you know, I listened to, to Steph when she was on the show, and she had mentioned it's super exciting to play with the stack, like it was remnant inventory. <laughs> Nobody, you know, the Snagajob, a lot of their revenue came from advertising, but our team was like six people and the rest of the company was like 150. But we made a significant amount of revenue. And so uh, my, my boss uh, at the time, and I wouldn't necessarily consider him a mentor, but someone I learned a lot from and really taught me about the different players in the space, like who is Rubicon Project, who is AdMeld, who is... Uh, you know, Pubmatic and, um, you know, Undertone and all of the, the ad networks that they were working with and taught me how to tinker with the stack. And I really learned, uh, it was fun. It was really fun to see your CPM go from like 90 cents and you make a couple deals, you know, Undertone gives you a three per 24 frequency cap campaign <laughs> at two bucks and all of a sudden you see your, your revenue uh, go way up. So that was really exciting. I started tinkering with things and um, that was just incredible to me that I could make that big of a difference by just 
testing, measuring, playing with things, developing relationships. I started going to conferences like Ad Monsters, and I made a point, instead of sitting in the corner, uh, I made a point to seek people out right. and and ask questions like, who do you work with? Who's good to work with? Who's driving revenue for you? Um, I even today spend a lot of my time on like Reddit ad op Slack channel and like listening to the things like, what are people talking about? What's working for people? What's the sentiment in, uh, in the industry across uh, different publishers? So um, that I think kind of learning that digital space was uh, what really got me into, uh, into everything. And then uh, I met my now husband and he was uh, at Audience Science at the time, remember them? And uh, <laughs> he, you know, I was thinking to myself, well, you're obviously not going to move to Virginia and there's so much more going on in New York. And I ended up getting a job at Match Media. And at the time, uh, OkCupid had just acquired, uh, was just acquired by Match.com. Mm -hmm. They had about 30 plus different um, websites and they were being managed by four disparate you know, partners, OkCupid was doing their own thing, Match.com was doing their own thing. So they brought me on board to merge all of those um, properties into one instance of DFP to do uh, business development across all those sites uh, and, and really to drive as much revenue as possible and, you know, use different strategies and relationships to build that. So I moved to New York in October 2011 and really just dove right in. Um, you know, work-life balance then was a lot different than it is uh, today, but I, I was had to make a name for myself. It was right. a new city. There's so much opportunity uh, in New York, and I just, I, I, I just sucked it all in and talked to as many people as possible. Mm -hmm. And again, did that tinkering, and every month seeing little things I would do would increase revenue by 10%, 15%, um, and I learned a, a ton there, and then eventually... Uh, got the opportunity. Rubicon Project was one of the partners that I worked with in in the stack that, mm -hmm. that I was setting up, and you know they tried to get me to come over a couple times, and finally, um, you know, the uh, Jeremy Fain, um, my old boss, who now has his own company and um, is very successful, he said, "Look, you know, it's great that you work at Match, but you can come over to Rubicon and you can work with so many different publishers and learn so many different types of businesses. And it'll be really um, good for your career. And, and sure enough, he was right. I've been there six years. And through the years, I've I've taken on more of an individual contributor role to a leadership role and being able to help others sort of learn the things that I learned and help them to be successful um, So and have that same passion and get excited about helping publishers grow their revenue and solving problems and Awesome story. Awesome. Um, so what, 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 uh, what do you love about the industry? Like what, what do you get excited about? What keeps you going motivated in our space? So, I, I mean, there are a lot of things. This space is ever changing, right? There is, you know, once you wrap your head around one thing, the next thing pops up and there's always problems to solve or at least problems to try to figure out, you know, how do we work together as an industry to um, try to fix some of the things that and the, the issues that we're having. So to me, I, I get excited. I don't know every day what's going to happen. Header bidding completely changed my universe when I was at Rubicon Project. And I had to work with a lot of my colleagues to figure out, okay, we were at one position and, and you know, we kind of fell down a bit during that time. And to me, some people can get demoralized and demotivated by something like that. That excites me, gives me an opportunity to like, well, 
first of all, it helps me keep a job, right? <laughs> like, I'm never <laughs> afraid that, well, I'm not going to have a job tomorrow. Well, yeah. you know, you need people to help solve these problems. Right. So, you know, it, that kind of thing motivated me to really stay the course and figure out how are we going to come back from this and what can we do to, um, you know, make things better. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Rubicon is seeing that that uptick again now. So it's exciting to to solve those those kind of problems. And then, you know, the slumps suck, but they also help to motivate me to, you know. And that's part of business too, right? There's ups, there's downs. Exactly. That, right. You know, sometimes you have to work a little bit harder than, than uh, at times than others. And, um, you know, certainly great accomplishments um, in your career. Uh, you shared a little bit about what sort of excites you and how you sort of stay on top of things, you know, and how you stay informed, how you learned. But t- tell us a little bit about maybe some people that were influential. Uh, if you had folks that were influential in your career, maybe mentors or um, heroes, you know, that you sort of think about. Um, we've had guests who have had some and we've had guests who have had none. So what have been your experiences there? Yeah, I mean, from a, uh, so my husband is in the industry, I mentioned earlier, he, he worked at Audience Science. Um, and, uh, you know, from a, a really macro life perspective, uh, he's, he's really great. He's a great sounding board when I'm struggling with something. It's, it's a blessing and a curse, right, to come home from work and I keep talking about work because he understands it and yeah. he gets it. And, you know, he knows a lot of the same people that I do. And it's just really amazing to have someone that I can go home to and and be a sounding board for me and, and talk about things that I'm struggling with, someone to talk me off the ledge when I'm having, you know, a bad day. And that helps keep me motivated. Obviously, uh, you know, um, you mentioned earlier, Corel. what keeps me going to is things like my son. Mm. I want to be this like kick-ass working mom and be able to work and be a well-respected person within the, within the industry and, and, you know, make my son proud and see, lead by example, you know, work hard, but be able to, you know, find that work-life balance. Um, from an industry perspective, um, you know, more sort of in line with my day-to-day, what I do, uh, I wouldn't necessarily say I've ever had a mentor. You mm-hmm. know, some people are like, I have a mentor and they know I'm their mentor and it's mm-hmm. like a thing. I, I haven't ever had that, but there have been people, everyone inspires me every day. It could be someone who is new to the industry and super curious and excited and I love their passion and that kind of feeds back and into right. me being like, oh, that they're super excited by this and they want to learn and then that excites me because I can teach them all the stuff that mm-hmm. I learn. Um, you know, but I would definitely say people like um, at Snag a Job, my first job where I really learned this passion, uh, John Moon. Uh, I think he's still at Snag a Job. He was like employee number four. Uh, he's been there uh, 15, 16, 17 years at this point. Uh, but he taught me a lot about the stack and, you know, really um, the the in and outs of how DFP works. And I kind of geek out on that stuff. I love it. And, you know, I really credit him to helping me learn and, and develop that passion. And he always encouraged me and kind of just gave me the keys and said, go do it and trusted me. Um, so that was really great and um, was also really encouraging to me when I got a job in New York. He totally got it and was like, good luck. Mm. And, you know, you're going to do you're going to do great. And uh, when I got to Match, uh, the the founder of OKCupid, um, you know, these guys were Harvard math majors, uh, Sam Yagen, very well-respected uh, entrepreneur. I think he was, he was the CEO of, of Match.com for a while. 
he created this like basically before header bidding existed they created this waterfall of like pitting the ssps against each other yeah. before anything went into dfp so i learned so much from him and i i have a lot of gratitude from helping me actually learn a completely new, different perspective. I was able to work with a lot of different companies. Um, you know, AdMeld was one of their biggest partners, and I learned a ton from the people that I worked with at AdMeld and Rubicon Project. Uh, and then when I got to Rubicon, Jeremy Fain uh, hired me and has been, you know, He's the closest thing I have to a mentor right now is, right. is he's someone that I go to for advice and mm -hmm. um, ask questions to. He really inspired me to become a better leader. You know, as an individual contributor, I felt like I was solid. I knew what I was doing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But, you know, throughout your career, eventually when you grow, you take on more leadership roles. And without Jeremy setting the foundation of our, um, you know, account management team at Rubicon mm -hmm. Project, and without helping me identify where my weaknesses were, I wouldn't be able to have stepped into a more of a leadership gotcha. role. It's hard going from an individual contributor. I've seen yeah. a lot of people struggle with this. Being at Rubicon six years, I've promoted people from individual contributor roles to management roles, and they struggle. They're it's like, a different ballgame. Really, yeah. Totally different ballgame. And I think it's cool now that I can say, look, I went through that too. Mm. And and you know don't be hard on yourself it's going to take time and i'm here to help you and those are the things that jeremy helped me understand he's like look you're not delegating enough and i'm like right. well that's a problem i was an individual contributor and i can just do it better and that's always <laughs> tough when you're like but i know what i'm doing so i'll just do it we all probably struggle with that a little bit exactly right? and you're like how is that account manager and your team going to learn if you just do all the work for them so um i i really um attribute uh, a lot of you know my success on the leadership front to to Jeremy who really focused on that gave me leadership books mm. and wasn't like here's your task of stuff you need to do every single day at work and what you need to know about DFP and read this ad exchanger article it was read this leadership book yeah. go to a negotiation skills training class um, are your presentation skills crappy like let's focus on on those things mm. so it helps it's really personal development too right from the leadership development but you know and investing in yourself by learning all of that. Exactly. Yeah, no, it's huge to sort of, it, this industry is super busy and fast paced, so it's easy to get bogged down, but then you don't really take the time to focus on yourself and things that you know you need to do to improve. Right. You mentioned right. time, you know, so I, I think we're always curious about how you manage that time, right? So uh, work-life balance, you know, because this industry uh, really asks a lot of you know, your time, morning, day, night. How are you managing that now? Uh, you mentioned your family yeah. structure has changed. And uh, how, do, how does that work out now? Yeah, family definitely, as I'm sure you guys can attest to, definitely change your perspective on that. So again, going back to when I first moved to New York in 2011, there's so much opportunity. You can learn from having beers with someone late at night and dinners and and so I was constantly out every every single night and learning from people and going to, you know, fancy ad week parties, this, that and the other. And, and I was learning, you know, some people say conferences are boondoggles, but that's where you kind of learn from your peers and right. people who are more senior than you. Not necessarily from the content of the conference, though important, but you also learn a lot from the, the, 
the people who are at those. Right, and, and that's where you build those relationships that will last, you know, your lifetime or throughout your career, right? Exactly. People yeah. move around to different yeah. companies. So someone that might have been a client, all of a sudden now you're working with them, like at the same company. So it is good to, uh, and, and that's important. Um, when I, I kind of laid the groundwork when I first moved to New York, I made a ton of relationships and really proud of, of that. Um, but that does eat into a little bit of your work-life balance. I don't mm. think I ever put an out-of-office on. I was always available. I wanted to be, I'm sure Eric uh, was a client, or is, uh, and, and knows how I roll. And, and that's not sustainable, right? Especially going back to the point of being an individual contributor. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden you, hand your, you have to hand your accounts over because you go into a leadership role. And the people who you give the accounts to, yeah, they might not answer emails at 2 in the morning. Right. <laughs> like some people, right? So, so yeah. it's it. I've had Heather to learn over time. At two in the morning. <laughs> I mean, I've had to Absolutely. learn over time that work-life balance, and and especially for younger people coming in the industry. Um, not that older people in the industry don't value work-life balance, but you know, people want to take a week and a half vacation and not plug in at all, and that should be okay. And I've had to sort of yeah. reconcile. And now having a child, I have that perspective right. even more. Um, but what I do think is great is this industry. I don't know if you guys can attest to this um, from, from your companies, it's pretty flexible, right? You have Slack on your phone, right. you have Gchat, you have email, you have Hangouts, and people text you, and Absolutely. so you're always available. So if you need to be somewhere because of your family or something else, mm -hmm. you know, I think that that's helped me really recognize that work-life balance, that I can still get stuff done. Right. Um, it doesn't take away from the fact I'm anyone who works with me knows I'm a pretty big stickler for you know, being in the office because face you, you there's no, you know, trade off for that that face to face time you have. You can collaborate Great. so much better. Yep. But again, it, it it you know, for me that work life balance has been made easier by being able to uh, you know stay in contact. Which is why I think uh, you know younger people coming in are like, oh, it's it's it, too much overload. So I do need a week and a half, and I'm not going to check my email at all. Because I, I can be constantly available because of all these different communication mechanisms, and I'm, right. I can be online at eight o'clock at night, ten o'clock at night. So, uh, and having a family, I've really learned that it's important to you know make sure that that I'm spending time with my son and my husband, and and not all work all the time. I'm, uh, you know, you're you're not going to be good at work if all you do is focus on work. Too. Right. You need to no, have some social currency. Yeah. That's actually uh, <laughs> something that came from from Jeremy Fain that I learned. Like, if all you do is work, you're kind of boring. And it's a very social, uh, you know, that I've spent a lot of time with you, Eric, and we've spent a lot of time not talking about yeah. work and being mm. able to develop a relationship. And if all you do is work, that's just kind of boring. Right. <laughs> right. You need to have other things that that help you connect to people. And right. and then you know instead of uh, taking 10 hours to help figure something out or because you don't have relationships, you know, you can make quick phone calls to people because you spent time on, on things that aren't just work, work, work. And Gotcha, yep, yep. So switching topics a, a, a little bit, um, with respect to our industry and diversity and inclusion, you've been in the space for some time. Um, what are your thoughts on uh, sort of where we are as an industry? Uh, and then things we can do to improve. Right. So obviously there's always more work that can mm -hmm. be done. You know, if you don't focus on diversity and inclusion um, and things like that, nothing will ever get, get fixed and right. move forward. Uh, I would say overall, I feel very positive. I do think that there is a, a good 
cultural global climate right now uh, and a focus on inclusion and diversity. Um, you know, a couple of years ago, Salesforce came out saying they, they were going to focus on equal pay for men, women, um, you know, different ethnicities mm -hmm. and put millions of dollars uh, forward for that. Right. Um, I think earlier this year it came out that Iceland made it illegal to pay women less than men. So there's this thing, you know, the Me Too movement, a little bit different, right? Not impacting our industry per se, right? It's more entertainment. and But it, it shows you the power of social media and other mm -hmm. things. It, it, people should feel empowered that they have an outlet to speak out against things that they, they think are wrong. And there's a whole community, and, and social media has made it easier for people to be like, I mean, for lack of a better term, me too. Right, and, right, and, right. and I don't have to be scared and sit in the corner and not say, hey, I think I'm getting paid less than that person, or I don't think I had a seat at the table because you know, I'm going on maternity leave mm. and I'm a woman and, uh, or because I'm this ethnicity. So I, I think the things are moving in, in the right direction. Mm -hmm. And there've been a lot of studies out there. McKinsey's done a couple studies about um, you know, diversity and, and more women in the workplace and how actually like, you know, boards, for example, that have female, a good ratio of male and female on the boards are more successful. Right. And so, you, you know, I, I think that it's super important to make sure that, uh, you know, these things are being highlighted. And I think HR companies and other things take note of these surveys and diversity. And it really, you have to think of your own biases as well. Like yeah, I absolutely. obviously run a team at this point and I have to hire people and you have to know what your own biases are. Mm -hmm. You know, I might tend yep. to say, oh, look, I've looked at all these resumes and I look at it and I'm like, I got 10 men and 10 women and nine of the resumes I picked are all women. Mm. Like, is there something going on there with me or, right? So it's yeah. important too to think about your hiring practices and bring in a div diverse amount of people to actually help you hire, right? It's not just me, point. you're bringing in, you know, account manager, different levels of people, different ethnicities of mm -hmm. people so that you can almost have a committee and there's not one person making that decision. That will also help, right? Move things forward and then the results and hopefully should should speak for themselves. and. You know, going back to my family, I'm, uh, you know, I love, I love being a working mom, and I love. I think it enriches me as a as a person to go out and talk to a lot of diverse people and come home and have a different perspective for my son. Um, that's super important to me, and um, yeah. So, so overall, I do think the the tides are moving in the right direction. But it is like you guys doing this podcast is is crucially important to keeping that dialogue going and making sure people uh, are, are listening to this or, uh, you know, obviously um, she runs it and there's a ton of other, you know, ethnicity organizations mm -hmm. that focus on this kind of thing. And, uh, you know, people just need to make sure that they are, are you know, know that there are those outlets right. there. Right, right, right. Great. Uh, fun question that I have, I ask everyone that we have on. Uh, Three apps that are on your phone outside of email and calendar that you use the most. All right, three. So if you have more than three. Yeah. All right, I'm gonna I'm gonna bucket. <laughs> I'm gonna have a lame category. Okay? That's okay. So not not my email uh, and not my calendar. Yeah, that's but, right. Uh, we know you look at those every day. Yeah, right, right. That's like multiple times a day. But from a work perspective, so I have this app 
that my husband told me about. It's called Meeting Mogul. So back to the point of work-life balance. Sometimes you're running around, right? You, you're in the car because mm-hmm. you, know, you left early on a Friday and you're heading whatever, but because you have a phone and your laptop and you have access, you can kind of do multiple things yep. at once, right? So this app, you know, those annoying 19 digit, you know, numbers and you dial in and you're like, crap, I don't have a pen. I, I can't right. dial in. So meeting mogul, you, you um, just press a button and it auto dials all those numbers for you. So you don't have to remember uh, anything. The only thing yeah. you have to do is press pound. Carol and I are, are writing right. this yeah, down. No, right. It's amazing. It's been a game changer when you're on the go and like you're walking, especially if you're super busy, you're walking between meetings, you're taking a phone call. Yeah. So, Lame, but no, I love that's, it. I'm and I use it uh, <laughs> very often. Slack, I love Slack. Oh, yep. You know, on the go, I have Slack channels with certain clients. Mm. I have internal Slack channels with, uh, you know, my team and, and as a company as a whole. Uh, Reddit, you know, obviously, yep. AdOps channel. I love reading that. It's a guilty pleasure. I love hearing <laughs> what people are saying and kind of uh, just listening and understanding again what the climate is in the space, what people are talking about, what's important. Uh, that's important to me. So that's the work stuff, the kind of boring stuff, the fun stuff. Um, uh, Spotify. I love Spotify. Uh, we got to get this podcast on Spotify. <laughs> yes. <Yeah. laughs> I'll, I'll work on it. Uh, yeah. No. I, so I love Spotify. You know, I love. Um, putting it on and you know having my son dance to mm. it and it's it's uh, very fun and then on the way to work you know just uh, something to mellow out and just kind of drown out the noise of all the nonsense that's going around yeah. me on the subway uh, <laughs> and then um, nest when oh, I so, okay. when I'm like psycho mom and I'm traveling and I just want to <laughs> see my son um, and my husband too he, he'll write quick. like cute notes when when and he knows the, I'm that's fine. part of the work life balance right I, I, no totally yeah. you know if I'm traveling and I still have access um I, it's kind of sad to the point where you know you can talk through the Nest camera I don't know if you guys have one my son points to it now and he says. Um, He's like, video, mama. <laughs> uh, nice. So he like thinks I'm in the microphone, but I'm like, no, I'm standing right here. Uh, but yeah, those are those are probably uh, the top apps. Okay. Well, thanks a lot, Heather. Thank you so much for your time. Uh, thanks for all of your insights. And uh, I know that you're always open to keeping a conversation going. Um, for those listening, if they're looking to find you, tell us where they can find you. Sure. So you can always find me on uh, LinkedIn. Ooh, that's another app I forgot to mention. <laughs> Spent a lot of time on there. Uh, but uh, LinkedIn, always find me, uh, Heather Carver. So if you want to shoot me a message on there, uh, my email, if you want to reach me on my, my Rubicon Project email, it's hcarver at rubiconproject.com. Super happy to grab coffee, have drinks, talk to anybody, answer any and all questions. So please don't uh, hesitate to reach out if you'd like. Excellent. Thanks, everyone, for listening, and thanks for subscribing.